Hi, 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 hi. Terry here with another episode of the Animation Industry Podcast. This episode features a very well-known pixel artist turned indie video game developer who chats about how they landed in the exciting world of indie video games and what it's actually like and what they spend 90% of their time actually doing plus a really important discussion about burnout and how to maintain a healthy artist mentality over the years. But first, I have a short message I want to share with you because it's been one of my goals to generate enough interest in this podcast that I can actually get some episodes sponsored to help pay for expenses like hosting on SoundCloud or buying a better mic and all those fancy things. And I have been running this podcast weekly for 34 weeks in a row, and I'm really happy and proud to share with you my first sponsored message. So, this episode is sponsored by my friends over at Rocket Sky 3D Animation School, who've created an amazing online program to train you to become a professional 3D character animator in little over a year, even if you have absolutely zero experience at all. You will learn everything from the ground up, from basic drawing for animation to producing your own short film. They help you master everything a studio wants to see in a portfolio to get you into the industry as quickly as possible. They also offer low tuition rates and installment plans. So if you're interested in a career in the amazing animation industry, which I am on my own path to pursuing right now, or you want to level up your skills quickly, all you have to do is sign up at www.rocketsky.ca and they'll send you more info about the program and free eBooks with top tips and tricks from the pros. So I will include a link to that in the description of this podcast, so please check them out. Now back to the episode. The person I'm interviewing today is none other than Ro or Ropunzel as they are known online. And if you aren't familiar with Ro, who is very present on Twitter and in the indie video game development scene, Ro is one of the main pixel artists behind developing Starbound, the so-called sequel to Terraria, the so-called 2D version of Minecraft, if you're not familiar with it. So after that, Roe went on to become one of the main artists and vector artists on RimWorld, a story-driven sci-fi colony sim, and then was the lead artist on Nomoria, a gnome-based sandbox game. But more exciting is that they are working on a fresh new pixel art open-world sandbox game right now, the name and details of which are revealed more in our chat if you haven't heard of it yet. So without further ado, Ro, thank you so much for being here. How are you? Um, I'm well. I'm on the mend. Um, I'm, as you know, I'm, I'm recovering from my um, hip surgery I had a month ago. Yeah. But, um, it's, it's, it, it went pretty well, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm getting around easier now, and um, and, I, and I'm able to focus on on the work I'm doing with um, with my company. Yeah, well, well, I'm really sorry that you had to go through hip surgery. That really sucks, but I'm glad you're doing better. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I'm really happy you're here because, uh, you know, I, I got the connection through one of my former co-workers and, and he said so many good things about you. And I've kind of indirectly, I guess, followed your work just by default from following Starbound and everything. So thank you. Um, yeah. So today I want to chat about kind of four main things with you because, you know, in our pre-chat, I really valued your perspective on uh, and like all the experience you've had in these areas, which can, I think, really help somebody who wants to kind of approach indie game development in their career or just video game development or just kind of follow what their dream is. So uh, first I wanna talk about your journey into indie game development specifically because you know it's not a very clear path for people, um, but you've had the opportunity to develop some ridiculously successful games um, and now you're developing a new one, which I know is gonna be also an equally ridiculously successful, <laughs> if not more so. 
Um, then I want to chat about kind of like what the day to day of your role actually is, because like from my perspective, it's kind of just fame, fortune and glitz and glamour and everything. Um, and, and you said something interesting to me in the pre-chat too, which is basically you have to kind of pass a certain bar. And I've been thinking about this ever since we had that pre-chat. You have to pass that like technical skills bar and then everything else after that is people skills. And it's interesting for me, especially in school, because right now myself and everybody around me is like striving to become like so amazing technical wise. Um, and, and not to say we're not focusing on the people skills, but that's just like not in the forefront of what we're thinking of. So yeah, I wanna chat about that. Um, and then the final thing is uh, you went through a long period of kind of burnouts um, after working on some of your games. And so I wanna chat about specifically how you handled that and got back into the industry. So uh, I'll stop talking and let you start talking. Um, so what got you into everything in the first place? Oh, geez. Um, well, my dad was a um, he was a computer engineer for ICL in, in the 90s, which was basically the British version of IBM. So I grew up playing um, games with my Miss Darson. He was always bringing computers home and floppy disks with games on it and such. And um, one of my earliest memories was watching my brother play Monkey Island 2. Oh um, my goodness! Yes, <laughs> which, 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 by the way, is is basically one of my, one of my favorite games of all time. No, but, um, yeah, I've never but... heard anybody talk about this game, and and I also randomly happened to play it with my brother too. So. Oh, it's just an absolute classic. But um, um, it it was one of my earliest memories when I was like three or so, just watching my brother play it, and like um, before I could even like really form sentences and talk and such, or even read, I used to carefully watch what he would do. And I'd carefully replicate the, the, um, all the actions he'd make Guybrush do, so I could progress in the game myself. But um, the experience really uh, left a, a lasting impression on me. And um, I guess just as I grew up, um, I wanted to recreate that, that that same feeling of wonder and inspiration that that that, that Monkey Island 2 gave me. And it was always in the back of my head, going, you know, I, I wish I could do that sort of stuff. But I always, I'll be honest, like I considered like um, being a video game developer, like one of those like unobtainable dream jobs, like being an astronaut or you know something like that, just like like just something everyone wants to be, but 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 you don't really realistically have a chance of doing. So it was in the back of my head, but I never really made any concrete steps towards achieving that. It wasn't until I was about until I was about seventeen or eighteen, I believe. Um, I was talking with a friend of mine, and um, we were talking about um, um, a game idea we had together because. Um, it, it, it was something we, 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 um, we just always did as a sort of exercise. We would just talk about theoretical game ideas, but never actually did, did anything with them. But um, we had an idea for this for this adventure game. Um, that the concept escapes me, but um, the short of it was, I ended up um, opening MS Paint and plotting pixels down to make sort of like a a rip off of the LucasArts Monkey Island style. Now, now in retrospect, it looked terrible, but at the time. I thought it looked awesome at the time, and I was like, wow, this, this, this looks just like LucasArts, maybe I can do this. And he agreed, and he um, really um, he encouraged me to, uh, to keep practicing and, and, and make more, asset, more assets for this hypothetical game. So then I'd make more characters, I'd make more, more backgrounds and that sort of thing, until eventually I had this whole library of, of game assets ready to go. And it was like, oh, so, so this is how you make a game, I guess. And um, it just sort of progressed, uh, progressed from there. Um, I started branching out into making making more experimental things like um, vehicles and different character styles and that sort of thing. 
And um, because I had nothing else to do, I was like, you know, 18, 19, I just threw them up, threw them up, threw them up on a DeviantArt account because, you know, just, just to show people if nothing else. And um, I won't say word of mouth spread, but like my friends started taking notice and, and, they were, and like people started saying, you know, you know, you should be a game developer. You'd be really good at this. I'm like, no, nah, this is just a hobby. I mean, who, who cares? Whatever. No one's going to like this. And um, I never really saw it as, as, as a serious thing until um, in 20, 2011, I believe, um, when Terraria released. Um, a friend of mine was in the Terraria IRC channel. And um, he saw one of the developers there mentioned that he was looking for an artist, and he and he immediately came to me and said, "Hey, Ro, this guy's saying that he's this guy who made Terraria is saying they're looking for an artist." So my, my immediate assumption is, okay, well, well, um, they've just released Terraria, it's blown up, so they must be looking to expand the team and you know, um, um, to to move on, um, expand the game with. So um, I got super excited and and. I almost backed out of it because I was like, no, surely millions of people are, are going to be contacting this guy. Why would, he, why would he care about me? But my friend um, my friend said something to me which left a lasting impression. He said, well, what's the worst that could happen? He'll say no, and that's it, and, and, you'll, and you'll be on your way. And I thought, you know what, you're right. So um, I sent him, um, I got in contact with him and sent him my DeviantArt, and he was somehow impressed. And... Uh, and too long didn't read. A couple months later, I got offered a contract on the game that ended up becoming Starbound, and that was my first real project as a game developer at age 21. And that that was how I sort of accidentally fell into it, really. Yeah. Wow. So you just kind of had a passion for MS Paint pixel art. Yeah. And then a couple of years later, you're working on Starbound. So, um, well, first of all, that's incredible, and and I'm really happy you applied. And and that advice, like what's the worst could that could happen, is is great. But I think a lot of people don't even bother applying because of that fear of oh, what? Right. So what were you doing between 18 and 21 then? Um, between 18 and 21, honestly, I wasn't doing a lot. Um, um, I lived in Spain, which at the time it was going through the recession and had the worst unemployment rate in basically all of Europe in terms of the in, in terms of the youth demographic so I, I had nothing else to do besides besides just besides just practicing my pixel art and doodling stuff so okay so like thinking about pixel art like I'm in animation school right now and we okay. learn a lot of principles of like character design and animation and like etc 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 but you didn't really have this technical training. So like, how do you know your pixel designs are good or like, where did you learn to do everything that you can do? Cause like pixel art on, you know, three indie games and counting and the animation, um, that's kind of everybody's dream. <laughs> <laughs> it was, um, I would say 90% self-taught and 10% referential. Um, the, the good thing about pixel art is um, there's a very rigid set of rules that, that define what pixel art is and um i won't ramble on about it but the short of it is is that um you can't use automated tools to um to quicken the process um, if that makes sense like um and you can't use tools that like blur or, or like mix colors and that sort of thing um, st um stuff like filling areas that's fine but like um anything that that automatically manipulates the pixels on your behalf that that are that aren't individually controlled by you on an individual level that breaks the sort of rules of what pixel art is. 
Yeah. And um, really, as long as you follow those guidelines, you're mostly okay. And you can sort of glean what those guidelines are by um, by effectively um, taking a cursory look at existing pixel and zooming into it, basically. That's what I used to do. Um, um, I used to uh, take screenshots of, of games I liked, and I would zoom in, and I would see how the pixels were arranged in, in certain formations and, and arrangements. And, and I would essentially study those and then try to replicate them and and sort of th through doing that you sort of glean what the rules what the rules are um um i will say that 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 a different route i took is that um now this isn't a very popular opinion to have but um but um starting out my first couple of years i actually didn't worry too much about getting opinions from my peers and such i didn't like go on to like pixel join and, and post my stuff there and, and get criticism and such because I didn't view it um, um, even then. I didn't view it as a as a career thing. It was just a hobby for me. So I thought, if it's just a hobby, I want to have fun, right? Yeah. And 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 if I'm constantly ask, asking for criticism and critiques and getting basically like crapped on by people, <laughs> I'm I'm not gonna be having fun. So um, um, a lot of the self motivation was was just avoiding that and being motivated by by my own achievements. And um, and and trying to limit um, um, how much um, approval I sought from my peers at the time. So, how does it feel now that you're doing it professionally? Um, it's honestly, it's quite surreal to be honest, because I like I still never really considered considered it to be like a career path. Yeah. So I um, um, I just I, I just consider myself extreme extremely lucky that I've been able to make one game with it, let alone three let alone make a living from it. It's, um, yeah, it's quite sobering. Nice. So you mentioned that you referenced um, some video games. Which ones are really good to reference for pixel art? Um, oh, geez. Um, personally, I started with, with the LucasArts ones because um, 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 as far as the character designs went, they didn't use an obscene amount of colors. And I and I find um, a common mistake pixel artists make pixel pixel artists make starting out is is they bite off way more than they can chew as far as colors and, and dimensions go, and they try to make these huge elaborate pieces with you know like like 16, 20, 24 colors, and that's like 300 by 200 pixels, which is like massive in terms of pixel art scales, and um, when when you when you're doing pixel art and starting out. Um, um, buying up more than you can chew, you get you get burned out really quickly. So it's always best to start simple, which is what, what I always tell everyone. And the LucasArts style of characters, which is like you know like Monkey Island One, Monkey Island Two, Simon and Max, that kind of thing, they typically use about no no more than four colors um, per per character. They, they they usually keep it to around that. So it's it's a lot easier to keep track of um, how many how many colors you use and, and how they interact with each other. So you don't go so you don't get overwhelmed and um, lose track of what you're doing. Oh, makes sense. Um, so after working on Starbound, like, what was the biggest thing you learned from a pixel art and animation perspective that you didn't know before? Because you kind of were jumping into your first professional role, and and I I would assume learning a lot as you went too. No? Um, yeah, th th this is actually quite funny because um, um, as I mentioned before, um, um, I learned pixel art using MS Paint, 
and I, and I was still using MS Paint when I applied to, to go to go on Starbound. And oh of course, and of course, MS Paint doesn't have any any animation tools that come with it. It's it's just for making static art, right? So uh, um, of course, um, when I applied, the first thing I was asked was was can you animate because that they're, they're going to need like animated sprites and such, right? So um, I completely bullshitted. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I, I can I say that? You can say whatever you want. Okay. <laughs> um, um, I totally uh, I totally bullshitted my bullshitted my way and said, oh yeah, um, I, I've got some animation experience, which wasn't technically a lie um i had experience with with flash animation from from before but um that was just, that, that was just like simple like you know tweening objects around to resemble stuff it wasn't like hardcore keyframed animation so, so pretty much a lie <laughs> yeah so basically a lie but um it, uh, or, or a white lie if you like but still a lie. but um i totally bullshitted and um said i knew how to animate and i thought well okay well, I, well i've said i know how to animate I'm just going to pray that I can learn on the job and cover it up as I go. <laughs> and somehow, somehow, by the grace of God, I was able to make it work. I was able to teach myself how to animate while looking like I already knew how to do it. <laughs> so um, I would say the biggest thing I learned on Starbound was how to animate um, in the keyframing animation style of doing of animating frames manually by hand. And um, I would say that 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 was a critical skill that you need to. Um, know if you want to um, do pixel art on, on, a, on a professional level. Um, what program are you using to to animate in pixels, pixel art? Um, well, not, not MS Paint anymore, thank God. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, but the one I use isn't, isn't that much better. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a program called Graphic Scale. It's a, um, it's a somewhat obscure Japanese-based program. But um, it's been like loosely translated in, into English, which makes for some pretty funny um, English English uh, um, happenings um, when you're using it. But um, it's very simple. It's very low memory. So um, it means that if I've got an idea, I can just open it up and it's instantly there in two seconds. I'd have to wait for it to. Uh, um, I'd have to like wait five minutes for it to open, like like Photoshop, like some people do. And it's functional and it's and it's small and it's cheap. So I've I, I like it. Nice. Um, I've tried my own hand at pixel art when I was also in MS Paint when I was uh, younger, and uh, it wasn't exactly for me. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm just thinking now, like if somebody is interested specifically in pixel art, like what are the opportunities? Um, what is it, what does the marketplace look like right now? I will be honest. Um, pixel art is a very saturated marketplace, um, mm -hmm. um, partially because. Um, um, it's easier to get into it's, it's it's easier to get into than other mediums such as like 3D and 3D and such. 3D has like a, a 3D has like a much higher um, I won't say overhead, but like a sort of like um, 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 startup if startup if you will if you will um, to get proficient at it. Yeah. Whereas whereas pixel art, it's it's a lot easier to get up and go with that. So um, there's a lot of there's a lot of good pixel artists on the market, but there's very few great ones, if that makes sense. Okay. So um, what are the opportunities like from, is it video games only? Like, are there a lot of video games using pixel art right now, especially indie ones? There are, yeah. Um, um, th there's a lot of indie games that, that call for pixel art because um, it's sort of a timeless style. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's never really going to go out of fashion. People always relate to it. People always find nostalgic. So th there's always going to be people who, who find pixel art cute, so to speak. So yeah. there's, th 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 there's always going to be um, some demand for it, yeah.
Okay, so what you mentioned, there's a lot of good pixel artists, but not a lot of great ones. Yeah. From your perspective, like how does somebody become a great pixel artist? Like what, how do you tell the difference? Um, I think what separates the good ones from the great ones, at least in my experience, is adaptability. Um, a lot of pixel artists tend to, um, they tend to gravitate towards one style and they get, they get good at that and just stick, stick with that. Like um, um, some pixel artists are only good at doing NES style graphics. Some pixel artists are, are only good at doing like elaborate high definition style things. Um, I find what really separates the good, the good from the best um, are the ones who are adaptable and can change their um, um, change their abilities to um, match whatever style that style they need to do. Okay, so so if I'm putting together like a portfolio for pixel art, I want to show that I can uh, maybe mimic a bunch of styles or like I can show that I'm very adaptable in what I'm creating? As a rule of thumb, I would say as someone who, who hires pixel artists, um, I would say that, that that's what I'll be looking for, yeah. Oh, nice, okay, fair enough. Yeah. So maybe we should, maybe we should uh, talk a little bit more about your current role. So you're currently developing an unnamed game right now at uh, Igloo Soft. How, uh -huh. how did uh, that come about? Um, oh geez. Um, last year, basically, um, I'd been burned out in the industry for like three or four years at that point. Yeah. And um, I just kind of had had a stroke of stroke of um, inspiration, and I started um drawing mockups and tiles of of the sort of game I wanted to make, and that became um it, it sort of snowballed and it became oh, okay. Well, I've got these assets, so. Maybe I should find someone who can do something with these, with these assets. So um, I started finding other artists, I started finding other coders, and it, it just slowly, slowly became its own thing. And then it was like, you know, let's let's see where this goes, and see see if we can we can make a thing out of it. And then the next thing I know, I'm I'm registering, registering a company and and um, going official and 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 all this stuff. And um, yeah. So right now, are you, are you like? grinding on the pixel art or are you grinding on kind of the business side of things and getting everything together um i told myself when um if i was going to make my own game and if i was going to design my own game um I, I wanted to be able to focus most of my attention on the management and the and the design side of things um i thought um um if i was doing that i um i wouldn't be able to lead the art as well because I, then i'll be stretching myself too thinly yeah. but um um what I wanted to do was um, I wanted to, um, uh, to, um, to manage the business and, and logistical side of it while having a um, supportive role on the art and deferring to another lead artist who I, who I take on. So um, I sort of take a supportive role in terms of art. I sort of um, I, um, I ask them, hey, um, what do you need help with? What can I help with? And I'll just help them with, um, with, with whatever they need. Makes sense. So how did you actually uh, kind of get the ball rolling? Like you are one single artist and you said you you've kind of amalgamated a group of other people and coders and developers and artists and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Is it just because of your experience working on your past games? Like you had a network already kind of. Yeah. Made, um, yeah. Um, um, with Starbound um, in particular. Um, because it was such a big game, um, um, this is actually kind of a thing that's going on right now. Actually, that, that there's a bunch of news stories about it, but um, we had a lot of um, we had a lot of, of what we called contributors who were basically basically slave labor. They um, they they didn't get paid, 
but they but but they were sort of tricked into working working on the game free. And and uh, just for Sterry, I didn't agree with it. I didn't condone it. But um, I used the opportunity to network with them and say, hey, you know, after this after this game, I would like to work with you and 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 you know pay you this time, and 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 do something do do something you know proper. And um, basically, when I started looking for artists, I had their details and I hit them up, and and they were more than happy to to work with me. Wow. So is this, if you don't mind me asking, um, is the funding for this game so far kind of coming from you now that it's like very in the development stages? Um, we're working on basically a deferred payment schedule. We're, um, we're all on revenue share. Ah, and right. and um, we have the game divided up into, into phases of development so we can uh, release the game in installments and use that to generate capital to pay people with and, and, and um, spur, spur further development with. Makes total sense, and I, I like that. I like the model too, um, because if the game goes big, everybody everybody gets rewarded. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, well, um, I guess speaking of people, how many people right now are currently working on this on this new game? Uh, currently, we have about eight or nine people, I believe. Oh wow. I think I think nine. Yeah. Wow. Um, um, uh, four of those are coders, and four of those are artists, and then there's me. So, so in the um, in the intro, I mentioned that there's kind of like a, a bar that you have right. to pass from ta- talent wise, and then the rest okay. is full skills. And so you're kind of working like full time on yes. a new indie game. So I would assume that like the people skills is very important, um, but the, um, like art is also very important. So right. how did you like? I guess, what were you looking for in the people that you reached out to and hired specifically? Like, when you reached out to somebody, why were you excited to work with them? Um, okay, well, um, um, for this, uh, for this to answer this, I, I have to go over to my experience on Starbound, which was, um, on Starbound, the people that were hired were hired purely on ability. Not much thought was given into how they get along, how they gel together, how they operate as a team. So, in practice, you had you had all these people that were individually extremely talented, but they all couldn't stand each other and couldn't work with each other at all. And, and the result, in my opinion, wasn't good. And that was the main takeaway I, I, um, I took from Starbound and um, from my, from my uh, manager, managerial perspective. So um, I told myself, um, if I ever do my own thing, uh, finding people who not only are, are past a certain level of skill, is a priority, but also finding people who work well together in a, in a team environment, and um, that was my uh, criteria for, for, criteria for choosing who I um, chose to work on the game, and um, that was why I was that, that was why I, um, I was so excited because um, I um, I'd worked with all these people before, so I had some I'd, I I had some idea of the quantity they represented, and and I was able to tell that you know that that, that they had the right attitude that I was looking for and and would work well together. So what you're saying to me, it sounds like it doesn't matter if you're the best artist in the world. If no. your ego is too big or you're not cooperative to work with, like nobody really wants to work with you in that case. Basically, yeah. So, um, so you're on your um, own. Exactly. Um, uh, something I always say is um, um, is any skill can be learned. Um, any skill can be improved on. But it's, it's a lot easier to learn, to learn a skill than it is to unlearn a skill, like being an arsehole. So... <laughs> Being an asshole is a skill. <laughs> uh, you're right. It's it's it's, it's oh, well. I wouldn't say it's a skill. It's more of a habit. But it's hard to unlearn. It's 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 harder to unlearn being an asshole than it's than it is to improve at something. 
Okay, so let me ask you this, like uh, myself as an artist and trying to drastically improve my technical skills, how do I also have the self-awareness to know when I'm, you know, developing bad habits that can lead me down to not work with people because they don't want to work with me? Like, um, how would you know when, when, when you're... When yeah, how do I have the self-awareness that I'm being bad to work with, I guess? Um, as soon as you start putting your own feelings ahead of the project, um, ahead of what you're working towards, as soon as you start saying, I don't care whether it's good or not, it's it's about how I feel. That's that's the that's typically the um the, typically the tipping point for where for where you stop you start becoming the toxic person. Yeah, um, I guess um, I guess that makes sense. So it's like um, when I stop putting kind of the team the team's efforts and stuff above or above what I'm producing. Right, start- like um, um, as soon as you start 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 developing develop develop uh, sorry uh, developing bad habits like um, like like viewing viewing your um, coworkers as competitors that's an extremely toxic habit to have. Uh-huh. Um, as soon as you start start getting jealous about other people getting, getting praise and and other people getting getting assigned tasks that you wanted, that sort of thing, it's it's a very slippery slope to to, to becoming the, the toxic person no one wants to work with. Yeah, I, I feel that. I mean, I've definitely felt uh, competitive and jealousy before. And it's I feel like it's tough when you're in the art, like in an artistic environment, because right. art, art is such a personal thing that you develop. But at the same time, when you're working on a project, like I, I think what you're saying totally makes sense. So, yeah, there's there's one more thing I kind of want to chat about with you, and that's the whole burnout issue. So yeah. I've I've chatted with some people who have totally burned out and like they're people who I've heard of like quit animation school or just gotten out of the industry um, because they go so hard. And that's one of my fears too. Like I went really hard this summer in the stop motion studio. And like by the end, like I kind of sprained my shoulder and like had all this stress build up. And so now I'm learning to avoid that. Um, So with you, you, you took like years of break. So can you kind of share how you uh, like why you burned out and how you got out of that and what you learned through all of that um okay well um um you can probably tell from, from the way i talk about it that starbound was a i guess traumatic experience for me it it, it wasn't um it i wouldn't describe it as as a positive experience for me it was it, it was it was good on a financial level but it came at a great cost and the cost was the burnout and and basically killing my my desire to do our for the foreseeable future yeah. Um, it was it was just a very um, toxic environment, and um, and I felt like I was beating my head against the wall, and I didn't feel appreciated. And and um, um, I was there for three years, and the circumstances I left weren't they weren't very amicable, and I was heavily distraught at the end of it because um, um, because I, um, in a way like I viewed Starbound as sort of like my baby really, and 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 I was ready to commit to it indefinitely. And then suddenly I was having to leave after three years, so um, um, I was heavily distraught and somewhat bitter and and upset, and especially with, with, with the way it all went down. And um, and just after I left, um, I just um, I sort of had, had a trauma reaction. Um, I just couldn't open my old art programs without just hearing like the sneering voices that 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 I was used to and and that sort of thing. And I just thought, well, you know, I've made a chunk of money. Um, I can take some years off. Why not? I'm I'm fortunate enough to be able to do that, which 
I can't say many people are, but um, I was able to. And I was able to take three or four years off and use that time to sort of heal and um, do a lot of soul searching, really, about my experience on the game and, and what, what I could learn from it and what I wanted to do moving forward. And by 2018, um, um, by 2018, I was sort of, it, it was sort of wearing off. I sort of resolved a few things and I was able to um, open up my programs again and, and start doing what I was used to and start get, get, getting enjoyment from it. But that was really... That was really the biggest source of trauma was that um, I had always enjoyed doing pixel art. I'd always enjoyed making games and Starbound sort of, I felt, um, robbed that from me. It, it took that enjoyment away from me and it sort of like left me without without anything to express myself with. And um, just being able to sort of um, build myself back into that, it was very liberating and it felt like I sort of like got my mojo back, so to speak. That's good, and and thank you for sharing that. I know uh, experiences like that are tough to share, right. um, and and think about, and but that happens for sure. So thank you. Um, so what is what is something that you I guess learned about yourself in those those three years that you took off, uh, because you went from you know pixel art was a hobby to a profession, then finding something that you wanted to continue indefinitely, and then having that thing killed. What yeah. was that thing that you learned about yourself in all that time? Um, something I learned about myself um, was that um, one of the biggest things was that I wasn't totally blameless. There were things I could have done better. Um, let's bear in mind I was 21 when I started on Starbound, so I was extremely young, and it was my first project. It was my first time ever working on a team. Um, I was inc incredibly defensive. I wore my heart on my sleeve. Um, I was bad at, le at, at leaving my emotions at the door. Um, I wasn't used to... Um, I wasn't really exposed to, to working in, in, in a professional environment, and um, this is this is a problem that I still, I still encounter now with um, a lot of other pixel artists and hobbyists that I work with. But um, um, just being able to put my put my emotions to one side—that was what I learned about myself. Um, I um, I learned um, how to how to act more professionally and, and carry myself um, in a more composed and helpful way that's more constructive um, for everyone around me. So, um, but you still have those emotions, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah, because, um, right, I'm, I'm, I'm still, of course, passionate about what I do. It's just um, I'm a lot less quick to act on those emotions. Um, um, nowadays, um, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I've tried to keep myself a lot more mellow, and I'll sort of like, you know, um, if I see myself getting too annoyed, too frustrated, I'll take a step back and go, okay, I need to take a break for a few hours and, and then think about this later. Whereas before, I would have been more inclined to just go in guns blazing and yelling and shouting and saying, I want this and I want that and that sort of thing. And it's, it's, it's not helpful. And um, and it was a lesson that I, I, had to, I had to learn in order to um, in order to move on with my own gaming studio. Wow, well, yeah. I mean, that sounds like you did a lot of reflecting. What was the moment that um, re-inspired you to get back into this? Um, I think it, it, I can't pinpoint it to an exact moment, but um, Starbound tech, it officially released in um, in July 2016, and that was supposed to, and that was supposed to be the the big. This is you know this this is what the game's always meant to be. This is completed. You know whatever, and it was sort of underwhelming. And I took a look at it, and I thought, you know, is this is is this supposed to be the, the best that the genre has to offer? 
um, th- this is supposed to be what Terrarian space was going to be. I thought, I thought, no, like, I, um, I thought I could do better than this. And then, and then my next thought was, well, you know, why don't I? And and that just sort of spurred me on, and it, and it kind of went from there. So, so just I guess the event of Starbound being released, and you had already, I guess, spent a lot of time self-reflecting. Yeah. And seeing that release be more underwhelming than you expected kind of reignited your passion. I think that's great. Right, right, because um, um, part of what sold me on, on the concept of Starbound was, was that um, it was presented as this giant canvas that I could apply myself to and, and, and basically make the ultimate game that I wanted to make. And over time, over the years, that slowly got you know chipped and taken away until I was making a game I didn't want to make. I was making someone else's game. But um, I but um, I still held on to those ideas and inputs that that I had. So I thought, you know, they, well they didn't get used, so why not use them now for my own thing and do it the way I wanted to? So is is this new game that is not named yet? The thing um, that... It actually is named. Um, um, um oh. it's called um Outworlder. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. <laughs> was that a recent thing? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. The last couple of days. Oh wow! Okay, so yeah, very super. recent. Um, I, I think Announcement, everybody: the game that Ro is working on is called uh, Outworlder. Yeah, <laughs> nice. I like it. Excellent. Um, so, so I guess things just kind of spiraled uh, from there. And do you feel like you're working on your dream project now? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's it's a, it's a really liberating and uh, freeing experience. Um, um, just be, being able to have your own inputs and then take and, and then take sole responsibility and control of facilitating them and, and not having to answer anyone else and pitch them to anyone else and, and, and petition for stuff and that sort of thing. You can just have an idea and then just do it. It's, 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 it's a really good feeling. And, yeah, so. uh, it's, and, and it's really invigorated my, um, my love for making games and the industry. Well, I love to hear that, and it definitely sounds like you're super passionate about it. I'm, I'm still thinking a little bit about the burnout thing. So, mm-hmm. going forward, besides you know, kind of managing emotional responses um, to things, what else are you doing to make sure that you don't avoid, or sorry, make sure that you avoid the burnout and don't go down the same path, even if it's, I don't know, not the emotion thing or not the coworker thing, like. What are you doing to avoid burnout differently this time? Right. Well, um, that that also ties into um, what I learned from before um, um, with picking the right team. Um, they say negativity breeds negativity, and 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 I feel that that that's a really really um, a really true statement that that holds. And um, so to answer your question, um, a, um, a lot of what I've done to avoid burnout is is a sort of proactive measure, which which is um, avoiding just just avoiding negative people. Um, and surrounding myself with people who are upbeat and want to work and want to want to share the vision that I've got and and th- and think on the same wavelength and don't want to um, put themselves first and uh, uh, and that sort of thing. Um, the environment I've put together, um, I honestly consider um, one of my proudest achievements right now um, because it's 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 such a positive and healthy environment. And it's sort of um, by itself. It sort of um, acts as a, as, as a countermeasure against burnout. So, so is everybody working remotely then? I'm just yes. I'm assuming. And yes. so, how do you how do you actually um, interact? Are you interacting with these people on like a daily basis over Skype or something? 
Um, we interact over um, Discord. We use Discord to um, to coordinate our um, our tasks and that sort of thing. We also combine that with Trello to um, to catalog our tasks and and checklist things and, and that sort of thing. We also um, have weekly weekly um, scrim meetings to to basically say, you know, what are you working on? Do, do you need help? Is everyone okay? That sort of thing. So um, um, yeah, um, we um, we've sort of got our own sort of like um, in-house system going on, which is, which is a combination of um, Discord and Trello and Skype meetings. Um, and how are you, because one thing you mentioned before was kind of the feedback you were getting from other people um, was part of that burnout. So how do the feedback sessions go now? Like what, what is there a structure to them or is it just a different way of thinking? Um, feedback in terms of what exactly? Uh, like when somebody finishes a project and maybe it didn't, they, I don't know, they didn't deliver the right thing or something needs to be changed or, uh, I don't know, you, you work with your lead artist and give that person feedback too. Um, right. Well, um, um, we talk daily, like, like on an almost constant basis. And mm -hmm. one of the ways I work is, is I always love to see, um, work in progress, um, WIPs and mockups and that mm -hmm. sort of thing. Um, I notice um, um, there's there's certain habits certain people have where they don't want to show what they're working on. They get, they get incredibly, incredibly defensive about about things that are in progress and only want to show when it's finished. And I've had to work hard to sort of break that habit in in, in a few people because um, if, if something's got to be changed, I'd rather catch it early on than you know when it's later on because then it compounds the amount of work that you need to do to fix it. Right. So. Um, um, we're always um, bouncing ideas off each other and, and, and show, showing, showing, showing each other what we're doing and where we're going. So that, that there aren't really many situations where I have to go, okay, you've got to redo this whole thing. This isn't working. It's always done on, on like a sort of incremental basis where we're always checking in and, 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 and saying, does this work? Does this not work? Does this work? That sort of thing. And um, I find it works for us and, it, and um, they seem happy with it. So, yeah. Nice. And it, well, I think that's great. You're kind of rebuilding the team kind of that you want from the ground up. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I'm, I'm really happy that things are, you know, you just released your name. What's, what's the next big step you're excited about? Uh, the next big step I'm excited about is, um, 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 I've, I've split the game up. I've split the game up into modules so we can release it incrementally. And the first increment is due to be released before the end of this year, and we're actually ahead of schedule for it. So I'm super excited about that. Amazing. So yeah. uh, we can look out for that super soon, I guess. <laughs> yes. Yes, ideally. Amazing. Well, um, uh, I think we're almost, you know, wrapping up our chat here. But just looking back over your career, where would you advise someone else who wants to follow a similar path in like indie game development or pixel art? I can only speak for myself, and I'll be totally bluntly honest in that I got extremely lucky in my path. Um, <laughs> but um, but you, you must you must work with people who also are in the indie game development world and and know people. So do you know? Is it everybody so lucky as you, or is there like a common path to get in? Or um, I wouldn't say there's a common path. Um, um, everyone's got their own path. I, I, um, I can I can only I can only say what I did. Yeah, and um, it's sort of like a your mileage may vary thing. It might work for you, it might not work for you. You might have to choose your own path. Um, I'm not sure, but um, um, I can't. I, um, I can't guarantee you it would work. But the the one thing I can say is is um, the biggest thing I've learned is is it's not what you know, it's who you know. 
yeah. networking is extremely important and being able to talk to people and, and get your name out there and and just just um do favors for people so so um you can be called up on it goes a long way but of course don't let yourself be exploited exploited at the same time because that that's a whole different problem but um just just be open-minded get your name out there talk to people be nice be open be easy to approach that's really really the, the best advice i can give yeah uh, and honestly um most people i have on this podcast say the exact same thing they got into their position from luck or who they knew and and i think that's the best advice um just i'm thinking because you're very active on twitter is twitter a good place to start talking with developers and things um Twitter can be. Twitter is um, Twitter sort of needs its own sort of skill set to, to navigate re- really well. It's yeah. it's hard. It's it's difficult to get to get your name out there on Twitter. And to be and to be completely honest, I haven't even figured that out yet. But, um, <laughs> um, I would say a, a good place to start would be smaller development forums like TeamSource and NeoGAF, that sort of thing. Um, places where people are always looking for like volunteers to help to help out with things and like like-minded people. That's always a great way to sort of get your name out there. Is 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 to find like-minded people and and get on their level. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, um, yeah. I was going to ask you if there are specific forums that people can follow because right. one one kind of question that I run into from like my classmates and other people that I talk to is is like where do I start getting connections and like conferences or like forums I, I think are, are a great place. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, cool, so uh, I guess my last question is um, how do you develop kind of the confidence in your own hobby to go forward like you did? Like it was purely a passion project for you, but like what, what, what specifically did you focus on to get so good in your hobby? And in a general um, sense, I guess. Okay. Well, um, um, again, um, I'll I'll preface this by saying this this worked for me. It's it's not strictly a popular a popular opinion to have, but um, I found um, what worked for me was was actually avoiding seeking too much critique and trying to take and trying to trying to train to train myself to take an objective look at what I'm doing and not relying on, on other people. Um, because I find if um, if you rely on other people too much, it it ends up sort of demotivating you after a while because you 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 just you just always getting negative um, feedback, and if you're always getting negative feedback, how are you going to motivate yourself to keep on going? It's unrealistic to, to to expect someone to go on go on without any positive reinforcement. I definitely feel that it's almost like you want to protect yourself from any feedback because you're scared if people do or do not like it. You're scared they're going to say something bad about it. Plus, I, at least for me, like sometimes I feel insecure about something that I am proud of at the same time, and I don't want to hear that negative feedback. Like, right. Um, I don't know. I drew something and the shadows are off, and I didn't notice, or something like exactly. that. Exactly. Um, um, I was going to say, um, a, a very, very early on in my career, I actually did suffer burnout because. Um, um, I didn't want to draw anything because I'd be like, well, what's the point? No one's going to like it. That they're, they're, they're all going to just critique it and, and say, this isn't good and that isn't good. And I'm, I'm going to feel like crap at the end of it. So um, it wasn't until I, I I just went, you know what? I'm, I'm going to draw this thing for me. This is for enjoyment. If, if I get enjoyment out of it, then mission accomplished as far as I'm concerned. That was my, that was when my art start, started um, started improving because the, the, the biggest thing was was I was completing art. And I find if, if you're trying to grow as nice, that's probably the most important thing you can do is, is actually finish it. Um, I, I would always value a, um, 
I would always value, say, um, a six out of ten piece that's finished rather than a nine out of ten piece that's unfinished. Yeah. And um, that's something, again, that I always try to um, impress upon my artists that I work with, which is good artists deliver. So um, if you're too worried, um, if you're too worried about being being perfectionist, making everything perfect, you're not going to last in this industry. You have to learn to be able to just say, you know, what? some people aren't going to like this. I don't care. I've got to finish this and just move on. And yeah. um, I would say that 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 was a big thing in um, in propelling myself forward was learning not to worry too much about what people are going to think. And and um, as long as I could view my own art on a objective level and not and not lose not lose perspective then well who cares you know yeah definitely i i totally feel that sometimes i get a caught i get caught up in the perfectionist loop and then it just is never finished and then i release it nobody ever sees it so right exactly yeah. and, um and, totally. and, and and like what use is doing art if no one's ever going to see it you're you're wasting everyone's time in, the, in that case <laughs> exactly yeah well, uh, do you have anything else you'd like to share before we uh, wrap up? Uh, no, um, I'm not, not off the top of my head, no. That's that's totally fine. Um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and uh, you know, sharing all your experience and everything. It's been it's been really fun to hear kind of behind the scenes of, of uh, some of the games that I've been following and also the latest one you're developing now, Outlander. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And if you're listening and you want to get in touch with Ro, you can do so by following their Twitter, which is Ropunzel, or by following the development of Outworlder on igloosoft.org. And I will include the links to both of those in the description of this podcast. And that's all for now. Okay, bye.